0: So, who knew that the One Ring had a Westerosian equivalent?
1: The One Ring? The One, the one Ring. One Ring.
0: You know, when you put it in the forge, it has writing that shows on the side of it.
1: I see what you're doing here.
0: I'm talking, of course, about ice, which met its <laughs> end. <laughs> I'm dancing.
2: You just can't see it. Let's thank Eric for that <laughs> kind introduction, everybody. It's Game of Thrones. Thank you, Eric.
0: Well, it opened... We thought it was going to open with a death, or we speculated that it was going to open with a death. And, you know, it kind of did still. It was the death... Of a sword and the birth of two swords, two swords. Of course, being the, the 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 episode title, but we only saw where one of them is going
1: mm. so far. Mm. So, far mm. so far. However, if you take a different translation uh, of that title, we did see two swords. In fact, we saw ice at the very beginning being broken down into two swords, and we saw a needle at the end of the episode.
0: Oh, needle! Needle! Book needle, ended needle. by swords. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. But also, Arya and the Hound, who I feel were the stars of this episode. Our two swords uh, alone in the world.
2: All right. Can I ask us where is our excitement? Because we just watched the first episode of season four, and this is our first show back. It is. I know that we didn't sing and dance before, but let's just say it. Like, just our first I was show dancing. back. Yeah. Just I mean, we need, think need think some more dancing. Like, from the mask, right? Yeah. He was doing some Oh, dance they call thing. me
0: Cuban Pete. <laughs> I'm the king of it around for All right. Well, that Cuban works. Pete. Okay. Guys, I was underwhelmed. Let, let me just put, put. that out there. I, I I was I absolutely. Oh, this is going to be
1: a great episode then, because <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go toe to toe here.
0: I mean, how can wow. you be underwhelmed?
1: This, I well, <sighs> explain to me, and then I will. Are you uh, just trying continue. to piss the listeners off? Is that is that what's it's, happening? It's the first being, episode back here, and you're already saying you're underwhelmed. What was underwhelming? I'm
0: not underwhelmed for the series for the season as a whole. I uh, let's not jump to conclusions here. And I hate to be this guy. I was this guy for, uh, Harry Potter Death of the Hallows. I hated this. I hated being this guy the whole time when everybody was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, I, I don't know. The passage of time has irked me. It's been, I guess, a couple weeks and the dragons have grown like five times their, their previous size. It, it bothers me just how much the dragons have grown. And, uh, you know, Khaleesi hasn't even made it to Marine yet. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of the last she left the other city for. Well, she was Marine. crowd
1: surfing at the end of the last episode. You got to give her some be- <laughs> time to make her way to <laughs> It Takes, it takes a long time, time to, to make it there.
0: Crowd surf These the whole are, way there. It's not like you know you can take a
1: bus or a train or an airplane to get from one place to another. Eric, this
0: hey look, I, Micah, I have foot. the maps. I have the maps. If in one season she can go from where she was in the on the on the coast with um uh, what's his face Meister Illyrio all the way to Vice Dothrak in a season, she can make it from uh yonkai to marine in a couple days but anyway look the dragons they bother me and clearly they have huge important things to do this season that requires them being large but how do you know they don't
1: evolve like pokemon
0: in continuity it's (laughs) it's become it's gone from charmander to charizard it's completely skipped. no it's It's definitely charmeleon no way no way Uh, Eh, all right right, right well the a little bit better flame yeah, okay okay, okay. <laughs> but uh no no it's it's actually this episode if i could just summarize it in one statement what i didn't like it is that i i felt that the mechanics had been more notice were more vis- noticeable in this episode than they ever have been before the the plot mechanics moving forward introducing new characters it was a little rough and i you know i i don't want to uh piss anyone off by saying that but it uh it it bothered me um, to the point of mentioning it on this show, so that's it. And you know, I'm lucky to have this forum where I can just voice it, and two guys who will hopefully spend the next couple minutes taking me down uh, for having said it. No, so, well, the mechanics. listeners
1: will, will will do that for us. Oh, thank you, thank you so much for yes, leaving me to uh, that. Please <laughs> state your Twitter name now, so they can send yeah, it all please. your life. It is uh, Spielerman. S <laughs> P I E L E R M A N. Hey, I love an opportunity. Well, for let's start uh, at the very beginning here. Let's go. Well, it's even a very good place to start. To Michael. the <laughs> last time on Game of Thrones, or previously on Game. of Thrones, right? Because we did go back extremely, extremely far in time, all the way back to Seasons 1 and Seasons 2. Um, if you look at the the very last scene that we saw was, of course, of Ned having his head chopped off, and we did get the scene with Lamy, where he has needles stuck in his throat. And okay. that obviously mirrored what happened at the end of this episode, but I actually liked that. I I thought the fact that they were calling back to those previous scenes and they were including them in the opening sequence and then shifting right to Tywin uh you know at the forge breaking apart ice or or having the mason break apart ice and split it into two swords uh it it was a callback it was a throwback for fans to Ned and and to show exactly how much disdain the Lannisters even still in season 4 have for the starks
0: yeah um the Ned bit was a little, because it was part of it, like it got silent and it was a montage of somebody unsheathing a sword and then somebody else entirely cutting off his head. I don't, I don't know. That was a little bit weird at the end there. But I, I visibly stated out loud uh, to a small group uh, who was watching it with me. I said, well, the Lamy thing is in the previews. How the hell could that have a payoff in this episode? And I was delightfully surprised. Um by that you know kind of callback and payoff so some of the things you know that they they hint at or they show in the beginning of the episode that's supposed to have a relevance in this episode you just it just goes to show you can't really expect uh anything because you can be surprised Well, I'm glad to see the payoff,
2: and it's good to see that the perspective and scope isn't limited to what is just to come. We're not shifting into a season four where so much of what is going to come and all the stuff with the bigger dragons and all of the stuff with what's happening beyond the wall and Bran's doing his stuff. Like, I'm glad that we are revisiting even Arya's journey north with Joran.
1: Yeah, well, it is important for this particular episode. I, I think that it drives Arya's story even further along and you know, the fact that she is able to recall Poliver and mm. she has absolutely no reservations about going in to that inn or or tavern, whatever you want to call it, and her intention fully, one hundred percent, is not only to get her sword back, but it's to kill him. And that's why she goes in there. I was at, gonna at ask it wasn't
0: just to get her sword back.
1: I don't think it was. I think yeah. the intention was she was going to make him pay. He he has one of the names that are so often said, if, if not as much in the show, definitely in the books, when she recants all of those people that she wants to kill. And, I mean, I just thought it was an epic scene. I mean, that whole scene yes. oh, yeah. with her and the Hound, from the moment they ride up to the moment they ride out, there was humor, there was sarcasm, there was bloodshed. He, he got his awesome. chickens.
0: He got his chickens, and she got her pony. I mean, there's there's no better outcome that that could have had. But her actually killing Poliver was dramatic. It was uh, ironic. It was methodical. It was actually quite scary because we've seen her kill before. Uh, you know, rightly so. It was the guy who claimed to have staked uh, Rob's, uh, you know, direable sight on, on onto his body, and so he deserved it. Oliver she has a closer relationship with, and, and you know, her just recounting the scene, recounting his own words to him, and then killing him in the same way that he killed Lamy, she she you could tell that she obviously took it personally. Um, but she's becoming kind of well, she's just a little too detached, you know. She's she's not the little girl that she used to be. And 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 good for her, because that was totally badass
2: and i'm glad that we could finally get to talk about all of this because i feel like it's been rattling around in my mind for the good part of forever and capturing this fight scene if we could call it that, I mean, now that I guess we're skipping toward right toward the end of the episode, why the hell not? We're just talking out loud. Yeah, we've done it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about the episode directed by DB Weiss here, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the approach to how they were able to capture this sort of action. And I just thought that it was so much more epic and it felt so much more dangerous than what we've seen before. I know that people really liked his fight with Beric Dondarian and everybody thought the flaming sword was great. But I honestly think that the Hound versus these four to five men with aria standing in the background it, you really couldn't match a better setting for this kind of action not to mention the brutal brutal killing blow in this episode where he grabs the guy by the head and he's got the dagger sticking up from the ground and he just takes the back of his head and it's just like wham face wham oh, face wham oh, face oh, i think you're dead now that's a or new dying.
0: record to what you can show on television apparently you know <laughs> a guy getting his head impaled on a on a dagger at like the that's there's like close-ups and then there's extreme close-ups. That was like an extreme extreme. That's the foreground. Of
2: well, the usually guy. you're getting stabbed with the dagger, but he was stabbing the dagger with his face. <laughs> you know, it was awesome. It was it was beautiful. The, it was a stabbing. brutal
1: brutal death. I I almost turned away. Uh, I, mean, anyway. I, re- I remember seeing it at the. uh At the Barclays Center and then I knew it was coming and I was like, I don't know if I can watch it again because it's pretty nasty.
0: But the Hound, I mean, mad props to him. He was – for a guy who didn't want to go in there, um, he sure let that uh, guy, Poliver, talk and he sure played with his food before he ate it. And then when he did get into battle, he was doing it from all angles. He was fighting from the floor. He was fighting from – you know against a wall. And he kicked all of their asses, and and Arya, like, good for her. She kind of finished a couple guys off, you know, once she got in there, but he sure weakened them for her, and and that was uh, some pretty badass maneuvers uh, for the Hound.
2: I think that finish them off was exactly perfect, though, because the way it was done, the music... How slow it got! Music how creepily screen. she slid the sword in slowly. Like, oh how how does this work? Okay, I'm splitting part of your body in half. I got that. Then she sticks it through the next guy and pulls the sword out the other end. It's just like, damn, Arya. Yeah, yeah. It
1: to me it was you had the episode open with Tywin, and you know th- there it's very symbolic what he did to Ice, and the the burning of the wolf pelt on top of that. It really meant to signal the fact that the Starks have been decimated. And you see that with Sansa as well, with the condition that she's in in the earlier part of this episode. And then at the very end of the episode, you're kind of restored in the faith of the Starks because of Arya and what she's able to do. And the fact that she gets Needle back and she's on the road with the Hound. and These two are really odd companions, but yet... They seem to really get along very well. You yeah. Know, there's that moment where he repeats the infamous line, "Fuck the king," and she kind of <laughs> smirks a little bit. Uh-huh. And I, I felt like the beginning of the episode was a reminder of the fact that the Starks have been dealt a very, very serious blow. But the end was was a reminder to everybody that they're not j- done just yet.
0: Well, when you know, put in terms like that, I I can't help but agree with you.
1: So let's talk about everything in between now. Well,
2: there, there was a little bit. I mean, we can't get past the first scene that appeared after the credits, which were upgraded this year, and they look great, especially yeah. with full resolution. That's been a big thing for me for this entire episode, because mm-hmm. the pacing feels so much less of a TV show nowadays. It's feeling even more like the book, if that like a movie. makes any sense. No, no. It, I, seriously, I feel like it's page
1: turning like the book. What was your take on how they opened this episode or, or this season, really? you had Tywin and then you had it cut to the map and then you had to go back to the show. I felt like there was much more effect than just opening with the snow and then the map.
0: And I thought it was great. It's done for dramatic effect and and it was certainly it dramatic and affecting. So it was it, it it was it was good and um as soon as I saw that Tywin that it was Tywin that it, that was him from behind you could kind of tell and I was like this is going to be a great season. I just said that. I was like man Tywin is there. Already, and people know who've listened like Tywin's one of my favorite guys. I like the actor who plays him, and I think as a character, he can't be beat. But of course, we do get into sort of the conversation that he has with Jamie, and that's where I think things started to erode just a a tiny little bit for me. Um, you know, he basically says that he disowns his son, but we know how much Tywin cares about his family and he lets him keep the sword so it's kind of like I don't know it's like an impasse it's like not something happened to his in son scene in
1: one sense I mean he just is telling him you can't serve on the King's Guard.
0: Jamie says to Cersei later in the episode, I think Father just tried to disown me. You know, so he does say it.
1: Well, what's happening here is Tywin
2: sees an opportunity for Jamie to take up his seat at Casterly Rock. He is right. now the Hand of the King. He's at the capital. And like he says, he's not sure if he'll even see the rock again before he dies. So he's looking to give Jamie something to do because this terrible thing has happened to his favorite person in the world. So he's giving him a new sword. He's helping him with the scabbard. He's offering Jamie an option that he sort of sees in his own mind as the best sort of ending to Jamie's story. Like, he's 40 years old. He's going to go get a wife, have some kids. Like, he wants Jamie to live a full life like he has.
0: That was weird that they kept bringing up his age like twice, two or three times. Like, you're 40, you're 40, you're 40, which means Cersei is 40. Um, but I, I know, I think you're right. I mean, with Jamie and Casterly Rock, um, because we know that he doesn't want to give it to, to uh, Tyrion. Um, Tyrion has asked in previous, uh, I think it was season three where he asked, and then he made a master of coin instead. Um, but he doesn't want to give Casterly Rock to his other son. And so Jamie is the natural and always was the, you know, the firstborn and the natural heir to, uh, the seat. And so somebody has got to take it and it might as well be Jamie now that his days of glory are are so clearly right. presumably behind yeah. him. No, it's seen as an out. It's
1: seen as an opportunity, as Zach mentioned, Right. Because Jamie is injured and the king can really remove anybody he wants from the king's guard. Right, and right. Joffrey would most likely, in this case, listen to Tywin. He's not going to want to have a one-armed man or one-handed man <laughs> fighting for him in dire situations should it come to that. So the tactician that Tywin is, he sees this as a very great opportunity uh, to put Jamie back at Casterly Rock and to let him live out his days there. As was mentioned, raising a family and, and just ruling um, from afar and not having to worry about anything uh, the likes of what he's endured up to this point. But Jamie is too honorable for that in some respects.
2: And then we have Tywin giving Tyrion a nice job. Now, I love the juxtaposition here because... You know, Jamie is given this new sword, he's given all this care and attention, and it's understandable. He's been gone for a very long time. But Tyrion's been around. We're going to see in our Wednesday episode the beginning of, of Tyrion's rise to power in a certain scenario in and, and season two. But now we're in the middle of season four, and Tyrion's already had his job, and he's already been master of coin. And he's been hanging around the capital, sneaking Shay around for a while. So what better thing than to have him do, stand outside of King's Landing in the dust, and wait for one of our guests to arrive?
0: <laughs> yes. It was a fall from a grace. A slightly
1: dangerous you. guess, by the way. Yeah,
0: very slightly well, dangerous an
1: unanticipated guess. dangerous guess because he is awaiting the arrival of Prince Doran Martell, and instead gets the Red Viper. Right, but the Martells in
2: general do not have a good attitude towards the Lannisters, which, if you're listening right now, you should know at this point.
0: The story gets told a little bit later, um, but is very, very intriguing, goes back to... Sort of the day where everything happened, or the, the series of days, the week where everything happened, um, the death of Rhaegal and all of his children um, that they could find. Uh, his younger sister and younger brother had escaped. Obviously, that's Daenerys and Viserys. But his children, as well as his wife, who was Prince oberon's sister, mm-hmm. um, was murdered and actually split in two, as they say, by the how? Or sorry, the mountains. Great sword, very very, very devastating death, and we're meant to believe that uh this was also right around the time that I think uh Lyanna stark died um right around the Roberts rebellion in the time where everything fell, so it's uh it's kind of you get a character who shows up with um bad blood uh, that's that goes back to the past, and Tyrion is clearly intimidated um yeah. by this, and Tyrion, as always takes to heart any threats on his family that he finds. And, you know, you, we've always seen Tyrion as being a tactical uh, individual. And you just wonder, I mean, he, he correctly assumes where Oberyn is uh, when he (laughs) does not show up. Uh, And it makes sense, um, except it seems that Oberyn was there more for his um, bastard wife. Uh, which I think is the correct term there, um, from what I heard about her. She is a sand. Yes, she is a sand. I love these last names. I love these bastard surnames for people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Tyrion kind of lets the whole thing slide. Like, Oberyn pretty much clearly states he's there to, to kill somebody. And Tyrion doesn't seize him. And uh, Tyrion as Master of Coin probably doesn't have that power anymore, but it, it just, nothing good can come of Oberyn, and, and he's not being, I don't know if he's not playing the game. He just he's not being very subtle about it.
2: I don't think Oberyn came in and declared that he was going to kill somebody. I mean, he definitely made clear to Tyrion that all of your fears about how we feel about you, tell your father I'm here. You, your fears are correct. You know, it's basically there is going to be trouble in some way and some kind of
1: retribution, or at least a very long worded conversation. Just going back to the point about the wedding that Oberyn was in King's Landing for the last time around um you know was in fact uh between Rhaegar and Elia right it's brought up right it's pointed out and Eric you mentioned Liana, but so does Oberin, right he clearly states that Rhaegar went off for another woman and that's what yeah, started he this whole war
0: right he mentions that he doesn't say it was Liana, but I think that I think also, we're
1: good enough to uh that's been in the books that. infer yeah. that that's who it was and right. you know he he continues on with the story to say, yeah, and the war ended here at King's Landing. And it ended in my sister being raped and murdered. It ended in my niece and nephew being murdered. And if that was the case, and it was done at the hand of the mountain, it was your father who gave those orders. That's bad news for the Lannisters. This
2: is also grim, Micah. I think you need to tell people about how awesome Bron and Oberyn were together in the brothel, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because Oberyn was like, "Okay, uh, you got your job as a knight. I see that. I respect that." He was like, "More girls? Yes, fine." Like, I, I love the moment where where they made a connection and were starting to be jolly with each other, and that's when yeah. Tyrion was like, "Eh, no," and Oberyn's like, "You don't partake," and he's like, "I'm married now," and I was like, "Oh, well, that's a nice nudge to
0: us." Yeah, and just with Bron, where he asked him, I think Oberyn asked him how he became a knight. He's I guess I just killed the right people. <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought. What do you? Is hired like murder or hired assassins? I thought yeah. of that way. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. No, it was great because it, it reminded me of scenes like as this past weekend has gone on. I've I've watched a lot of the older episodes and just the interaction of certain characters that took place. You forget almost right that right. Like, Theon and Tyrion interacted with each other at one point. Um, you know Davos and Gendry interacted with each other at one point. Uh, you know, it's it's really cool to see characters that maybe otherwise don't necessarily interact with each other in the books. There's opportunity to do it in the show. A you know, perfect example of Brienne and Marjorie uh, in in this particular episode. But I really think that uh, there was something that would really endear Oberyn to a lot of fans, aside from just his general swagger and in that opening scene life, uh, <laughs> when the reigns of Castamere. Started to be sung. Yes, it pissed he me off immediately too. immediately flipped a switch. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> now he 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 walks in and they're like, "Hey, are you lost or whatever?" He's
0: like, "I'm sorry for staring.
2: <laughs> I don't see many Lannisters."
0: Yeah, that was kind of cool. I thought it was I thought it was Tyrion being funny, like you know realizing he was there and summoning him there. But uh, it was better that it was that it was not. Tyrion
2: would never do that to some boy. That's so oh. horrible. Yeah, I know. Remember the history between our family? I'm gonna go have a few guys sing the reins of Castomers to some prostitutes in the next room.
0: It was totally innocent and perfectly timed, and that guy left alive, which actually may say more about Oberon than I would normally like expect. The fact that he only injured that guy's hand and look, hand is your life in Westeros, we understand. But uh, you know, he got those two he basically just got them out. Mm. You know, he said you have to take your friend right now and he'll still survive if you go now. Um, he, you know, he got his revenge or whatever, but was able to be cool about it. He's kind of an interesting guy now that I think about it. Can I just give a
1: shout out to the goats? that, that Yeah, were the <laughs> lady walking the goats when Tyrion was oh. waiting for Oberyn to arrive. Yeah, the Martells, I should say. No, that was that was
2: great. Though I love that whole just exterior for King's Landing there when Bronn was just posed against the tree and a Pod is standing there and Bronn's like, "What did he say? Like, some, what was the joke? How many doltschmen does it take to fuck a goat?" <laughs> and 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 Tyrion goes, "Please, no." And you, it cuts to to Podrick's face and he just is like, "Heh." You know, like a little laugh. I mean, they're just—it's great comic relief with him and the way they're using him. And then, of course, he was astute and observed all the all of the sigils coming in. No, it wasn't two yellow balls; it was lemons in a field. It's great camaraderie, and I feel like it was almost a treat for us in the first episode. It was like, hey, guys, we've been away for a while, but here is all these
1: people yeah, you love. Lots of great humor in this episode for sure. Um, Bronn is always a source of comedic genius, and then even in the at the end of the episode, I thought Arya and the Hound were fucking funny. Well, that whole bit, I mean, everything about what was happening
2: in there and the whole everything with the hound and the chickens and about getting thirsty because Oliver kept speaking. I mean, that, that whole scene was so dramatic. He was talking about hiring the hound essentially to come along with their party with them and to continue raping the countryside in a lot of literal forms, robbing people because they hide money and they hide more girls. They hide more daughters. You could do well for yourself, hound. And the hound is just sitting here listening to all of this with Arya, showing the depth of that interaction. With the response that it triggered afterward, mixing in all of the humor was a really good recipe.
0: In a way, the Hound really protected her honor, in a way, by saying that he had obviously besmirched her or whatever, that she was his wife. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, it kind of gave her a reason to be there that wasn't suspicious, and, and therefore let uh, Polliver's guard down a little bit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so much so that he even, like, tried to invite her over or whatever uh, to their side of the room, but... It, uh, you know, that was all the Hound, and it fit with the kind of world that they live in, where it was just a believable story, mm-hmm. um, and Arya, bless her, uh, just went with it, so that's good. Right.
1: Well, I mean, not to not to go back to that, but I feel like we spent a lot of time on that already, but uh, Tyrion, you know, t- to get back to him, uh, both him and Jamie, I felt they had really rough episodes, uh, Tyrion with being sent out by Tywin to meet the Martells, and you know, having to deal with the Red Viper unexpectedly, and then he goes with, um, you know, to meet Sansa, and Sansa obviously is in a right state because of what's happened to her family, and then he deals with Shay. It's just like a never-ending cycle of Shay trouble, uh, for for Tyrion.
0: Shay needs Shay expects way too much out of Tyrion. Um, very annoying in this episode. Very, very, very annoying. He's yes. pledged to another woman. He's made it clear that she will get her head cut off and Tywin will be the one to do it, probably with his new sword, um, you know, if he's ever, if she's ever caught. And she doesn't care. She flounces about, screaming, making loud enough noises to be overheard. And we know that she's overheard and discovered and taken, the news is taken by the same woman who overhears it straight to Cersei. So there's the card right in Cersei's pocket. She's going to have the right whore this time. Uh, when when she threatens to kill her. Well it's it's all Shay's fault, and you know what? I don't feel sorry for if her. If you sorry. remember,
1: this is the same woman who Shay threatens with a knife to her throat when she was about to go tell Cersei about Sansa finally getting to that time of the month, um, a couple seasons ago.
0: Oh, no, I I didn't realize it was the same woman. So, so.
1: a little bit of retribution there, possibly.
0: Um so Shay's gonna get herself killed, but really you know one of the things that i had forgotten <laughs> so about,
1: optimistic <laughs> yeah really,
0: really one of the things that i'd forgotten about from season three uh through the break was Varys's offer um for Shay to buy herself a house and a couple servants out east you know go away because and he said that tyrion is one of the few men who can fix the kingdom um but he's distracted by her and, and all that junk mm-hmm. um you know these days like in this episode as as non-offensively as i can try and say this she clearly was a distraction for him. He had very important things to worry about uh, and to do, and she was distracting him with drama, saying that he loves his wife, who he's promised to. It's it's just – it's it was a little over the top for me. It was a little dramatic, a little melodramatic. Well, she's um, also
1: being misled, though, because Varys and – you know, last season made it seem like Tyrion was the one who wanted her to go away. You know, did he the make it seem, it or
0: did it, I mean, the heart hears what it wants to hear? Yeah, maybe uh,
1: that's true too. But I think that, you know, she needs to understand that she needs to step to the side. And maybe this is a perfect example of Tywin being right in saying you shouldn't have brought her here. She's becoming more of a problem than maybe Tyrion initially anticipated she was going to be.
0: It's just that her death is going to weigh in on him more than her leaving would. You're you're and assuming she's going to die. I hope she dies, but oh, I also wow. think that that's just the way the world works. Um, this world. Yeah, this this world. I'm sorry, this world. But, I mean, I think Varys was right in calling it, and Tyrion knows it as well, and he's warned her. You know, like, hey, if you keep showing up here, it's not safe. I can't protect you. And I think that uh, Tyrion is, is needed, now more than ever. Only one person, I think, in this episode— if I'm recalling correctly, and it was Jaime, said, this war isn't over. He told it to Joffrey, mm-hmm. of all people, and and I think he was right, and I think that Tyrion is, again, one of the only men who can fix the kingdom, as Varys had said, and if he's distracted by grief uh, over someone he failed to protect, which, it's, at this point, it's not his fault, he's not going to be there, or able to think clearly enough to, to do it. Um, yeah. And another evil will be had. So.
1: Yes. Um, now, Let's talk a little bit about Sansa, the other side of uh, Tyrion's uh, tr- love triangle. Tri- triangle, here. yeah. Uh, she really is, uh, she's screwed up. I mean, given everything that's happened, that's not unsurprising, and she's in a, a really bad mental state, but she's somehow able to keep her composure despite everything that's going on. Um, I thought two things uh, that she said... Uh, at the very beginning of the episode were really important. Um, she she really noted how her brother and her mother were killed. And, you know, of course, last season we saw what happened to Rob um, in the season finale where they sewed Graywin's head onto they his body. They did
0: though. That was so upsetting to me. That They did show it. No, well, they showed it. It's a couple of arrows. You wanted more...
1: to show, like, the seamstress sewing? no, no. no, no. There was no <laughs> sewing.
0: <laughs> There was no sewing. The 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 wolf's head in the episode, which I just watched before the oh, premiere, oh, is on spikes, is, right? Is held on by arrows. It's oh. not sewing. So it's in the book. I get it. They sewed it, I think, onto his chest in the book, but. In the show, it was arrows, and the show continuity mm-hmm. Meisters. Um, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a Meister.
1: It was according to those guys by the campfire. It was just like a, a patchwork job. That
0: they yeah, I, it wasn't sewn in the show. And for the show to say it was sewn, I mean, maybe it's just it's a rumor. These whispered down the alley. Mm-hmm. It was sewn. It was uh, arrows. It's nitpicking. But for me, I was just like, no, that's inaccurate. Um, why grieve right. over that?
1: Well, and the other piece is that her mother's throat was basically cut to the bone and, and she in was the thrown into the river. So not too much uh, respect there for either Rob or Catelyn. I wonder if that river flows north. It might. Or south. Or east. Or west. <laughs> There's many directions a river <laughs> can or go. Or
0: northeast or southeast or northwest or southwest. It's one of those. But Sansa, on the whole, and, and, and Sansa did have a bit to do. Um, and, you know... I wanted to mention this earlier. Sir uh makes a resurgence uh, to her when she's in the Godswood. She doesn't want to be disturbed, and there's this game of like pitter patter. Like she hears footsteps behind her. And there's this massive guy she's being chased who, by Hodor. Yeah, it it was funny. It was it was just kind of a funny another one of those comical scenes. Um, but he gives her something that's different from in a, in the books, and we we did read this. But correct me if I'm wrong. It was more of it like a like a hairnet. Or something in, in, in the books. Is this, do I, is my, am I memory blanking on this or it was, it was something different. It, it wasn't as no, easy right. as like an opaline neck, necklace. It was a hairnet. Um, it was a hairnet. So they changed the object, um, as well as kind of its backstory. Right. but... And like, I know that the show guys know what they're doing. So it's interesting to see it in this incarnation though. Um, that apparently it was a necklace he hadn't yet pawned for booze. Right. Um, which was his mother's for and my mother's. Yeah, you know, as uh, somebody who can't handle their own. Right, does.
1: but is it really? I mean, there was another scene involving necklaces that took place in this episode.
0: I thought he just grabbed it from the bushes where where uh, Margaret or sorry, uh, Lady Olena had discarded it. Um, but no, he's better than that. On his honor as a knight and a fool, you trust him? I, I do. He seemed to, to think it was very important. In fact, he said, "This is how you should remember me." When he gave this him. is the okay. This is the one problem I had with this episode. Ooh, um, you talked
1: about mechanics, and I know they didn't show him in the the opening of the episode in terms of last time or previously. Oh, they did Game though. Rons. They did show him. Yeah. Uh, however, I think introducing him the way that they did, and just hey, Sansa, here's a necklace to remember me by. What two seasons later? Well, uh, That's it, a little, you know...
0: Yeah, well, is it like Cersei
1: said to Jaime, too little, too late? <laughs> am I am I wrong on that? I mean, I just thought that throwing in a, a obscure character like Ser Dantos, who possibly could have de- been developed over uh, the last few seasons, at least in maybe some minor scenes, um, and then to just throw him in here and give Sansa a necklace, we don't know what it's for, but I'm sure it's going to play some role in the future.
0: Like here is plot point, here is plot right. element from past to That's initiate the one thing this thing worked. Um well because in the books he has re- repeated visits to her in the God'swood and this is before the battle of Blackwater and it, but even in the book it never really amounts to anything. He, he gives her the hairnet but then he disappears and now because we're not in book 3 we don't know if the hairnet ever pays off very quickly. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's just, you got to you got to I think you have to swallow it. And I think maybe I'm being too hard on the episode because it can be. Um, You have to swallow things like the Dario Naharis recasting, um, you know, and and these new characters, the new uh, wildling uh, gentle folk, the Thresh or whatever they're called, really, too, as well. New villains are being introduced. And this is just kind of how this episode goes with these new kind of facets to the world. It's not bad. It's just one of those episodes that kind of has to exist to set the tone for the rest. Eric, you mentioned um, the then,
1: right? Then. That we met. Now and then. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A really (laughs) ugly looking person uh, who likes to eat humans under the guise of crows, right? A formidable opponent, I think, now that's going to be joining forces, it seems, with Tormund and Ygritte. And they have plans for Castle Black.
0: You know, they needed some reinforcements, uh, which, you know, at the the end of uh, the last season, they had lost a couple guys, including their warg. And on the, what's the word, on principle, I I can't object to learning more about the wildlings. And these are things like throwaway lines, like, well, there are giants and cannibals, and you get them all united by giving them a common enemy, telling them we're all going to die if we don't get south. You know, quotes from previous seasons. Um, these guys, who are as different as any of you know, the two families in Westeros, who both hail from North of the Wall, are uniting to stage a, a front on Castle Black, as you said, and, and this is going to be dangerous. And I, I guess I didn't really pick it up in previous seasons, but Jon Snow lays it very clear um in in the scene where he's you know at the hearing, I guess you would call it, uh he says they're going to attack simultaneously from the south, the ones who've crossed over, and Mansurator from the north and we're going to be in trouble. It was important
1: that in that scene they've reintroduced Jano Slint uh and how he managed to be sort of on this council, judging uh Jon Snow is is a bit beyond me given that he was sent there by Tyrion, uh, and probably should be amongst the uh the regular folk, but uh it appears also that he's buddy buddied a little bit with uh Elizer Thorne.
0: I remember Thorne, you a know bad you combination just, for John. You get a guy to scoff or to to look against Jon Snow and can I just say Jon Snow was wonderful in this episode? Um You know, not being somebody who always rallies behind him, I think that he had the the right um, reasons for, and he was able to justify his actions quite well. Um, Of course, his life depended on it, which doesn't, uh, you know, hurt. But uh, I I thought he did a solid, and I thought Sam and and he are portrayed as more antagonistic in some of the previews we had seen. But right now, uh, they seem to be getting along just fine, and and even kind of had time to reflect on his brother. Even though it had been a couple of weeks, they're kind of all, you know. Well, obviously they're still processing the news. It's big. It's big news that yeah. the Starks have been dead.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that you have uh, Maester Eamon there, kind of as the voice of reason. But even somebody like Eliza Thorne realizes the threat um, that is imminent at this point, and you know, going and chopping off the head of one of their better fighters is probably not in their best interest right now.
0: Well, he is one of their best fighters. They're going to need his sword, and they're going to need his strength. And and his knowledge. I mean, it's very clear in what he presented to them
1: that he knows a lot, having spent time with all of these wildlings.
0: Well, one of the things I wanted to ask was, you know, when Sam gets back at the end of last season and they send the letter, um, you know, we see it go all over. They had 44 uh, ravens. I think currently Eamon said to Sam, you know, we're going to write on all of them. We're going to tell everybody what we see. So everybody gets that letter but we never really got to hear or read all of the contents. It goes to Dragonstone, Stannis reads it, he brings it, he uses it as a trump card uh, to let Gendry go and, and survive. Melisandre reads it, then she burns it. We don't know kind of exactly what he said that would be in some ways more convincing than any of the um, uh, you know requests for help, assistance to the wall. Hey, we've seen White Walkers. I would include, if I were Sam, also here's how to destroy them, bring all the dragon glass you can from the east or wherever it comes from. You know, I I would actually start kind of giving information out to large Westeros because this is nothing short of a tremendous siege that they're they're looking at. They're basically looking down the barrel of a gun. I mean, once the Wildlings get over the wall, they still have to, all of Westeros still has to contend with White Walkers. Um, Who knows when they'll arrive, but... There's just a lot of shit coming at them from up north, and it's it's pretty terrifying.
1: Can I just uh, throw out the the mention that Sir Duncan the Tall got in this episode?
2: That was beautiful. The entire scene going over the Book of Brothers with Joffrey, and just sitting there, and Sir Marins in the same room, and and Joffrey's just dripping his you know malicious scent if that makes any sense in the scene <laughs> just before it had that, that epic statue and then it cut right to it and he was matching that same epic pose and you know that's just that whole scene there was just a breakdown I feel like uh, of Jamie in a way because you've got his kid there that he's sort of looking at in the third person because you can't really approach him in that same point right. of view because it's not really acceptable and he's acting in kind of a snotty way and I'm sure that as a father he's not very proud of what's happening but the cuts that Joffrey makes at Jamie, those are actually founded you know what where, where are all of his pages? Sir Duncan the Tall has four, <laughs> four pages, pages. <laughs> in the Book of Brothers, and, and Sir Jamie Lannister, you have one page. And it's just kind of sad because that's the life Jamie wanted to live, and now that he's being faced with the injury he has, it's just not quite attainable as it was before.
0: Jamie is going to have to prove himself to people. He's going to have to win people over again. And look, that's that may not be called for. It's just something he has to do. But Jamie only needs one page in that book of brothers and one sentence: "Killed the king." I mean, you know, killed the Mad King. Should well, say. I think it's got to explain more than that? I mean, save <laughs> story that saved he told everybody, to saved everyone from immolation. Yeah, like instant <laughs> yeah. from certifiable immolation. You know, that is all, and and he can bookend the book. He can be the last page in the book because. That's a pretty good thing for 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 night for somebody to do.
1: I really think that Jamie had a. I know I mentioned Tywin too, or sorry Tyrion before as well, but I really think Jamie had the worst episode of anybody. Um, from Tywin to Joffrey to Cersei, you know, blaming him for what happened with Ned and basically setting everything into motion because of their little fight out on the street outside of Baelish's whorehouse. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: And very insensitive words about his hand, even though, I mean, it's not necessarily that she has to be sensitive about it, but very insensitive words regarding his hand, and it could have something to do with her drinking more, like he noticed.
1: Yeah. And what were her yeah. symptoms? I mean, that's something that we didn't get any
0: clarity on, really. No, he just knows her that well, we have to believe.
2: Or it was a really nice way to make fun of Maester Pycelle smelling like <laughs> cat piss or a dead cat or whatever it
0: was. That or... was a circular argument. He smells like cat piss. Well, What would a cat piss smell like? Well, it smells like <laughs> Meister Pycelle. Yeah, what but,
2: came first, yeah. the chicken or the egg?
0: Yeah, exactly. The, the
2: scene between Jamie and Brienne, I thought it was good to see their reactions beyond the kind of madness they had to live in before. And I know we loved the idea of them traveling together. But I really like them in a safe place, having a safe conversation Definitely. with shampooed and conditioned hair. If that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> shampooed and conditioned. You were talking about Jamie having a rough uh, episode. I wanted to talk about the the incident with his hair, man. <laughs> so you liked it. It made shoes. sense. No, I don't. The buzz Him saw. and Pod. He and Pod both got haircuts. It looks terrible on them. It's not. It's. I'll just. Right. I, there, I've said it. Okay. I just think Is that is that why you didn't like the episode? <laughs> what? Uh, right. Is that, that
1: your foremost reason for?
0: Certainly not. I've uh, stated other reasons far more uh, uh-huh. reasonable. I think. It, it no, didn't I,
2: take I, me out of it, though. Seeing Jamie in that room with that awesome desk right before he made that awesome hand wave with his hand when he was yeah, getting fitted like a hand. I mean, he yeah. just looked clean. He looked stately. He looked like he deserved, or he looked like he belonged in a place like that. When just outside of those walls, you know, a hundred, two hundred yards away, three hundred, five hundred yards away, there's people starving. They have these brilliant homes it looks like that people in our modern day now on a totally different planet that actually exists would love to have would pay lots of money to have and i just thought the whole clean cut attitude with jamie i know it's been something that people have talked about online and socially and that eric doesn't really prefer but for me i just felt like it made sense because these are rich people he's a lannister and he's back home he's,
0: yeah um well i mean you know like i i maybe i've gone a couple days without having the cleanest hair out of everybody i know Um, but certainly having it in mud and, uh, you know, um, feces, feces, uh, you know, and all that stuff for all that time, uh, would probably ruin the hair. You'd probably need to cut it that short just to get all the mites out. Um, so there's that. I don't know what happened to Pod, though. Pod's got some, some serious bugs he had to get his hair cut for, but, uh, I don't know, man. One thing
1: that I noted was in that scene with Tywin, uh, that he has, uh, you know, when he's talking about uh, oathbreaker and he asked him would you have me break another oath by you know giving up his uh job as being a member of the Kingsguard, right and but yet when he's talking to Brienne he's more than willing to break his oath to Catelyn Stark
0: was well, it an oath or a vow <laughs> so what's the well, difference well i mean uh, yeah. you're just looking at
1: him depending on the
0: situation look his argument of course a man uh kind of justifies his actions any way he wants to right Um but the battlefield has changed quite a bit from that time when he last saw Catelyn Stark. Catelyn's dead. Uh his you know, this girl, Sansa, has married his brother. So is he really to run off with his sister in law? You know, where how far will he get?
2: That whole yeah. exchange was brilliantly set right above Sansa, and they were just sort yes. of looking down at her. That was yeah. well done. That's something that they haven't necessarily done in the show before. And I think that the way that broke off into Sansa's walking through the foliage and then meeting Dantos was good. But but just particularly that conversation, I felt like Jamie was standing on so much of a ground because there's only one Stark girl there, and the one that is there is his sister-in-law now. And his argument that where would she be safer other than here – it really holds strong. That's why I feel like Brienne didn't have anything to come back at him with. Well,
0: oh, but she did. She said, "Can you look me in the eye and tell me she's safe?" That's
2: hardly an argument, though. Oh
0: well, yeah, okay. Because I guess you really can't be safe well, anywhere he, in that world. He got it from her too. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't a good episode to be Jamie Lannister. I guess not. And he
2: was. What did he say? He was like, you know, everyone's been giving me hell today in my family. You're, you, you have the hair to be a Lannister, but not yeah, the looks.
0: Not the looks.
2: <laughs> she did have some nice blonde hair, and I was just seeing sure? she We're just look like Lannister. a Lannister.
0: Yeah, yeah, are you yeah. sure we're not really? That was good. You know, I really liked um, Jamie and Brienne looking back uh, over the rewatch. And this is a recent development because, you know, during the show, I didn't really care for when we were first watching it. But uh, Jamie and Brienne are, I think, two of my, they're just my favorite relationship next to Ari and the Hound. And, you know, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. They- they're just good to watch on screen together. And you hope that they'll get more time together.
2: Well, maybe your mind will change when you go back and rewatch these episodes, and you're not making a podcast right after. You'll 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 go back and you'll realize that hey, maybe it's not as bad as you thought. You'll really hey, like you it.
0: Know, you know, this is right after, as you point out, it is a podcast where we're just kind of stream of consciousness going back through the episode, things we thought were weird and things we thought were cool. That's you know, right. It's all, we, it's all we can do on Sunday nights here. <sighs> we have nothing but a work uh, work week ahead of us that. Uh, to, to bum us down <laughs> well,
2: before no, we close the show so we have a certain mother of dragons ahead of us i think we oh, to speak about mother great great detail she got big ass dragons they're too big
0: they're exa- I, I think that that is probably i i couldn't be i couldn't possibly be alone in thinking that they grew too fast um but what she did with the signpost is very honorable and her way of handling every obstacle that comes you know to her door including gambling (laughs) of uh her closest confidants uh she can handle it and she's she's a doer she's a handler and she really you can get behind the everything that she does um danny is is one to root for danny is one to count on and now she's actually got the army that Mm -hmm. she wanted for so long ago and She's going places. I certainly hope it's more than just a marine this season. That girl, she's gonna go places. Yeah. That make girl, make something of herself. What did you guys think about the new Dario? Just... He's good.
1: I liked the scene, um, you know, when they were talking about strategy. Uh, strategy. I felt like they needed to include Dario early on uh, in this season, even you know this episode, I guess. Um, you know, recast because people weren't going to. Necessarily identify directly with him uh, because they have no clue who he is uh, aside from Daenerys saying his name. And people would say, Well, hold on a second. That's not Dario. Doesn't look like Dario. Not the Dario that uh, existed in season three. So uh, I think they did a good job establishing him. He had a couple scenes, you know, the one with Grey Worm and then um, the one with with Danny. Yeah. And and I thought strategy is important. I mean, he was really teaching her there. He was telling her, You know, you need to know. (laughs) what it is that you're getting yourself into. You need to know the people, you need to know the place. And he, you know, he's teaching her about being an effective ruler, um, and and knowing her people more than just showing up and, and liberating them.
2: It was good for us watching though, being sly with the flowers. You know, mm. like, oh it's a matter of strategy. Here's a flower. She's like, you want to walk at the back with your mechanic. shoes? Yeah, and here's this other one, too. This is the Dusk Rose. If you drink it with hot, steeping water, it'll make you go to sleep.
0: And
1: it's just like, oh, (laughs) Dario. So wait, wait, Eric, you didn't um, comment on Dario's new hair color.
0: (laughs) Casting-wise, look, there are some things you just can't control in the world. Uh, Was it jarring? Yes, but they dove right into it, and you have to respect that. As you say, he had plenty of scenes. I think the new guy's just great. You can't really fault him for not being the old guy, you know. Right. Yeah. It's, so there's, uh, you know, I have no comment. I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, you know, they're just gonna they're gonna go forward. It was just one of those weird things that happened in production.
1: So one more thing before we get uh to our owns here, and uh, it does involve Brienne, but I thought it was important uh from a character development standpoint that Brienne felt the need to go to Marjorie, yes. and tell her. What really happened to Renly, not just to absolve herself of any wrongdoing, but she actually felt that it was going to be meaningful in some way to Marjorie to let her know how Renly died. But really, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think Marjorie cares how it happened.
0: You, you think less of Marjorie for her reaction in this scene. There was no heart to heart. There was no. Uh Yes, I loved Renly. You know, she's past it. She kind of has to be. Um, Her mother in the past has always warned her about, you know, watchers on the walls and an ear listening in every corner. So, you know, her response there, you know, Joffrey is our king now seems really cold. Uh, perhaps it has to be. Well, I mean, it's
2: just like Olenna said to her when she was making the crack about the Sparrow Necklace. Not here, not even in front of me, not even with just me. You basically have to stop doing all of that. You're about to marry the king, you're about to become the queen, and King's Landing is a very dangerous place. So I just think she was playing her cards close to her chest.
0: But I mean, with Brienne, she almost didn't have to. She was in Ring, Renly's Kingsguard, you know, so it's like, well, there's one person you can open up to. But at the same time, I thought it was an important, as you say, character development for for Brienne to get that off of her chest, and 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 kind of really, it made sense if Margery's going to be or Margery's going to be the new queen, um, to to make sure that you're not on her shit list. Uh, it's it's kind of especially if you're going to be spending any duration of time in King's Landing, and you know that's the other thing that it's been a couple weeks and Brienne is still there, and you know they're kind of both. Uh, her and Jamie are trying to figure out well what they're going to do now, um, and I'd like to see what sort of Brienne's future has in store for her because I I like her now more than ever. It's the hairdo, isn't it? If there's one person who likes her more than I do, she, uh, one person that likes her more than I do, it's uh, Lady Elena. She, just she was struck enough. with her, huh? Oh, Brienne. <laughs> let me t- just get to look at you. Oh, God, you're a tall drink of water. Uh, and Brienne's expecting to be insulted the way she always is. She's yeah. totally expecting to be like, you're a tall woman. you know. But no, she's just like, you're the one who put my grandson in the ground. Like, you know, put put his face in the dirt or whatever she's Yes, yeah. like.
1: so let's – we're going to end on a high note then. We're going to end right there, I yes. think. And we're going to get into – Our owns of episode
0: one. Uh, Can I go first? Take our first own, please.
1: All right. You must go first. Uh, You
0: mentioned he made it into the recap, uh, the influence of Ned Stark still being relevant uh, to this day. I'm giving an own to Ned Stark for mostly his sword, which Tywin describes as being... I believe the words are so absurdly fricking huge <laughs> that it broke down into two swords, not one, but two. And it's not like he was just like, you know, drawing it thin to be like, I need to make two, one for my son and one for somebody else. Uh, it actually was just a great sword. It was such a big sword that it made two smaller swords, which aren't short swords by any stretch of the imagination. So yes, Ned for be for having that absurdly large, I got to get that quote, um, thing He said from someone
1: uh, who no longer had need of it. That was Tywin's uh, line.
0: Bless bless and it's dark, you get the own, and ice, of course, uh, is no more, so a moment of silence for ice.
1: Well, in the uh, report that I did um, for my trip to the Barclays Center, I did give my own uh, from this episode to Eamon, Maester Eamon, for his line about King's Landing and how he is uh, so aptly able to tell when people are lying, the fact that Mm -hmm. he grew up in King's Landing, but In watching the episode through again, I figured I'm going to need to give a little bit of a different own here because it was just one of the best lines in the entire episode, Mm -hmm. and uh, it goes to the hound and it's it's just when he's he's standing there with Ari in the bushes and he's like what the fuck's a lamy <laughs> <laughs>
0: what the fuck's a lamy <laughs> yeah yeah she's going on about her lamy her lamy lies over the ocean her lamy lies over the sea oh god bring back my lamy oh, and me. Gosh. he's like what the fuck's a lamy that was a
2: funny line i loved it deciding an own for this episode was particularly hard I am not sure because there's so many great moments. I mean, ranging from Pod's reaction to the joke, ranging from the joke itself, ranging from everything that Braun did in the entire episode, uh, ranging from the incredible nod towards Sir Duncan the Tall, which I just warmed my heart so much when it happened. Yeah. yeah. Between Grey Worm and Dario having a contest from midnight until well into the morning by position of the sun's standards, holding their weapons directly in front of them. I've done a contest like that. Similarly, but not with weapons. And I can tell you that it didn't last that long. And it wasn't just to walk beside a girl on our way to a new place. So. <laughs> That's also really good. I mean, this episode is is truly full of owns. We could talk particularly just about Oberyn stabbing the Lannister man through the top of the wrist with his dagger, and he called him. What did he call him? He was just called him. I think that you're a short, pink man who's slow to yes. the draw. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> just 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 destroyed him, and I thought it was brilliant. I mean, it, or you could track back to what to Oberyn's situation when he was shopping for people, and he took the guy that came to sell the prostitutes. He said. Oh, you can stay because I'm a prince, and he got what he wanted because he was a prince. Yeah, I think probably what I'll have to give it to, honestly, is the hound chugging Polliver's drink after he kept talking and he kept oh, saying how yeah. thirsty he was. That's who I have to give it to. The Hound gets my own in this episode for taking a man's drink and drinking it right in front of him. I mean, that's fair, right? Yes. I hope that everyone listening at home can agree with that. That might not have been the most impressive one. There was <laughs> so much to happen. Or you
1: could give it to him for in this episode, chicken on the way out of the... He's
2: going to have to eat all the chickens in this room. If <laughs> <laughs> one more
1: word comes out of Oh, man.
2: We've asked on Twitter, we've said, hey, this episode happened tonight, you know what to do, it's Game of owns. We're back from last year's Season 3 read-through, and a lot of you guys are listening maybe for the first time, and you're not exactly familiar with what we're about to do. This is what it is. You tell us what we just told you. That moment or moments in the episodes that blew your mind or was a little bit more witty than the rest, we sometimes read them back to you with music playing behind it. And sometimes we con Eric into doing the entire thing. And sometimes we call it Eric Skull. Reads tweets really, really, really fast.
0: Merrick Quinn says, then own some poor night's watchman. Aww. Oh, that was sad. That it was. was. Sad. Jasmine Alvaredo says, My own goes to Arya. What can I say? Not only is she badass, but she knows she's badass. She does. Oh, yeah. Hashtag. Brady Furrar gets clever and says, Arya is the owner of Needle again. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Lane also agrees with us. What the fuck's Alami, anyway? <laughs> <laughs> what is Alami? Not Den, says George R. R. Martin for sure. Anyone who's read the most recent chapter released for Winds of Winter would agree. Mm. Oh. Spoilers yes. Okay, interesting Quiet, Micah Brandon Bryce Here's a good one The dragons owned the episode Because when they want to eat You better get out of the way Dragon puberty <laughs> is rough I know, Brandon It's hard <laughs> to get through,
2: buddy Hang in there
0: Oh, I feel terrible for Angie And all of the listeners at home showed as well She tweeted us HBO Go owned my ass By pretending to be A reliable streaming service only to epically fail when I most needed it. I've heard the complaints. (laughs) Oh, no. I haven't personally suffered those issues, but I feel bad for Angie all the same. Emily Farmer has spoken for everyone else who didn't uh, tweet into us by saying Arya gets all the Mm owns. There you go. Deneen Cole, fun with emoticons. Arya got her horse and her sword back. Except (laughs) I think the sword is like... A rocket. This, the show is a, uh, it's a needle. Sh- it's, a needle. Oh, it's a needle. It's a needle. It's perfect. Her needle back. Denin Cole wins Denine something. C- I think we should retweet the Denin Cole thing. This is just too cool. All right. It's being done. Handsome pig. <laughs> I shouldn't there. be laughing at this. These guys are great. I love doing this again. My own goes to Oberon Martell doing what or who he wants. There you go. David and Dan for some pretty sweet foreshadowing says Amy Christina we'll see what uh, she means by that Snow Lisi says the owner of the episode goes to D&D for having the balls to say that Rhaegar left Elia for another woman Ooh. hashtag still in disbelief I wonder if that was a secret I don't know you're asking the wrong guy okay Amy Christina says own also goes to Meister Eamon for being the sassiest quote I grew up in King's Landing (laughs) there you go Michael Cerrone uh, also stated that circular argument smells like a dead cat. What does a dead cat smell like? It smells like Spice <laughs> Between Jamie and Cersei. Oh, gosh. And just a few more here. Amy Christina again says, Owen goes to Elena for being Brienne's number one fan. True dat, Amy Christina. True dat. True dat. We heard from Mary Quinn once more. Joffrey owned Jamie when he called him out on not having any heroic deeds to put in the King's Guard Book. And John Newman says is stabbing that dude who killed lami short and sweet <laughs> josh williams agrees the own has to go to Arya for killing some guys to prove her horse worthiness own goes to tywin melting ice hate that he did that but pretty badass regardless hashtag who gets the other sword that's what i don't know jolene wilson says best line for the night Tyrion to sansa quote i admired your mother she wanted to execute me but i admired her Katie Flores, Jon Snow owns for finally not being a pussy. That was Eric Skull. Read the
2: tweets in. However many seconds it took. What you just heard was a collection of things you've done. Now, obviously, we've left probably a good 700 hanging on our Twitter list because it's just a lot to wade through. But if you make your tweet pretty much the coolest of all time or something that maybe I could borrow and sound a little bit more clever with on an episode and not have to go through four or five options, you should send it our way. Only one man at this show knows where to send it. And we ask that man yet again to speak his mind at this moment.
0: Tweet at us at Game of Owns on Twitter, just like all of the people we've read from the tweets. Of course, you can also scroll upon our Facebook wall. We'll get to more of the feedback that we get from you throughout the week, uh, on our Friday episode, a scheduled Friday recap episode. Friday. Yes, Friday. But in the meantime, scroll upon our wall at Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. And you can always email us, contact at gameofowns.com.
1: And I'm looking forward to seeing more of these tweets because the tweets just keep on coming. It's like a never-ending supply of some good quality ownage. nice red ale. Well, I mean,
2: it it was a strong episode, man. There was some strong owns, and I think that everyone is reacting like this is all they can do, but just let it out in their
1: fingers. You know where else they can let something out? Where, Micah? On iTunes. Yes, it is the place where you can rate and review our show. Uh, And it is the time of year that uh, a lot of people are going to be interested in some companion content um, with the season just premiering earlier this evening as we record here. And uh, we want to be able to be that companion, just like we're that companion for you. So uh, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a rate and review in the month of April. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. That's just the way it works, based upon our deal with iTunes, which you know we, for legal reasons, we can't get into, you know, too much about. But let's just suffice it to say, um, five stars. That's the way it goes, and uh, we do appreciate it, and we'll read them on the show. You know, definitely on Friday's episode. Uh, If we have some new reviews to read, uh, we will share them all with you.
2: If you were with us last year, you know to expect a brand new commentary series coming your way. We're starting Season 2 on Wednesday. We couldn't be more excited.
1: And then, of course, we have our Friday Mailbag Roundup episode. Looking ahead to the second episode of the season, uh, which we saw a nice little preview for uh, at the end of tonight's episode. But I'm excited to see some other characters uh, that didn't make it into this first episode and there yeah, were quite a few of them
0: lists. there's is there quite a few would you I say so. Hodor, oh yeah, definitely uh, there's the Hodor and Bran uh, Rick and Asha. if they're ever going to show those guys separate no uh, they're gone re- for a while in, uh, in the Reeds Okay, and then there's also uh, Stannis and Melisandre. Who else am I forgetting? Oh, Davos. You can put him in there. Oh, of course. That, well, okay, that, that You're forgetting that, about your favorite character. So he so is your favorite char- No, but I'm talking about your favorite character, Theon. Oh, Theon! Oh. Yeah, you forgot him. You mean Reek, though, right? Reek. Because the last time we saw him, he was getting that name pummeled into him.
2: You yeah. see, people, we're still trying to wrap our minds around Season 4. The it's bones. only just begun, and we've got all of these days ahead of us to share what we think are some pretty exciting plans, not to mention rounding a lot of it. Out with some con appearances later this year It's just going to be exciting, some live show action Some fun stuff, so if you're listening for the first time And you're afraid of Micah Because he sounds so beautiful Let me just warn you that in person, he's almost as bad So Yeah
1: man, just a lot to look forward to I'm excited And uh, Varys, Littlefinger Neither of them made an appearance in the set. You see?
0: There's still so much to do. Oh, man. You know, the first two episodes are like two halves of a whole. The Last season did this, too. Just showed everybody else, too.
2: We love you guys. Please don't ever leave us, even when the violinists play. That was Eric Skull.
0: That was Zach Louie. And I'm Mike Tanabeau. course i want to go into tonight's the night come get it up <laughs> no like, now we're thinking of the black eyed peace song we gotta slam welcome to, to, to the, the jam, the jam. Are we
1: still recording
2: body make so, you sure know, you don't hurt nobody is it r kelly